Hey, folks. The Senate will begin the impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump in the coming days. The historic proceedings will begin just as we've learned that Russia hacked Burisma Holdings, the Ukrainian company linked to Hunter Biden that's at the center of the impeachment case. Meanwhile, more developments in the aftermath of the Soleimani killing. The Trump administration is giving shifting explanations for the strike. And Iran has admitted it mistakenly shot down a civilian airplane, killing all 176 people on board. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down the news and take stock of what's happening. Today, we're making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. Am I allowed to feel a little bit sorry for one person who will be part of this saga? Uh, who is it? Chief That's, Justice Roberts. Oh, no, I feel sorry for him, too. You're allowed to feel <laughs> it. I feel incredible sorrow for him. It and says nothing you know about, it's his about job. him as a justice, but yep. what, what, do we just repeat something that I think people are beginning to understand. Ordinarily, you think of the top dog in the judiciary is Chief Justice Roberts. And any tribunal in which he sits, he's the ultimate last word yeah. and gets enormous respect. As we talked about on the show some time ago, the rules now say that will be operative presumably when the Senate convenes for trial is that Justice Roberts is a presiding officer and will make all decisions about the admissibility of evidence and everything else. That sounds wonderful, all of which can be overruled by a simple majority of the Senate. Yep. So the question will be, and all this speculation swirling around motion to dismiss and calling certain witnesses or anything else, Justice Roberts cares about his reputation. And I wonder- And is an gonna, institutionalist. Yeah. He cares about the institution. Is he going to tilt it? With, so it, if there's a ruling that he wants to make on something- that he thinks will stand, I think he'll make the ruling. If there's a ruling he wishes to make on something, but because of politics, he'll be overruled by somewhat embarrassing, depending on how it goes, maybe even slightly humiliating vote overturning him, then maybe he won't make that ruling. But he'll it will be, it will for be, the parties to work it out. It'll yeah. be an interesting dance between his wanting to maintain his reputation and control of the proceedings and not just be a figurehead, and Republicans deciding, are we going to embarrass our chief justice by overruling him and maybe repeatedly. So here, here's what I think is also interesting, which is that, so Roberts is the chief justice. If, if the chief justice is in the majority of a Supreme Court opinion, he then assigns who writes the opinion. So it's a, it's a very powerful position, and there's a lot of strategic thinking that goes into being the chief justice. What's also important about Roberts and the chief justice of the United States is that they oversee the administrative office of the courts. So basically, he is the sort of de facto head. He's, he's not the de facto head. He's the real head. And I'll tell you why I said de facto in a second. But he's the real head of every Article Three federal judge in the United States of America. And he oversees that apparatus. What's complicated is, as we know, Article Three judges have life tenure. It's a little like herding squirrels. And so the one benefit that he has is he has a lot of experience dealing with people who don't want to listen to him and who question his authority. Now, that being said, this is a whole another ball of wax. I'm, I'm filled with the <laughs> filled with the expressions <laughs> that I think come from my parents today. But um, but this is this is next level, and and I think you're right that he will. My instinct is very strongly that he will want to protect the institution of the Supreme Court and not have the Supreme Court look biased or partisan in any way, and that he will be loath to be in these in real confrontational battles. Um, and so I think he'll take a lot of recesses to talk to Schumer and McConnell, figure out who has the votes to do what. And I think he'll, frankly, push them behind the scenes to, like, work it out on their own. And the question is, does he have, if they don't work it out, what options does he have? Right. And he may also be 
in good faith, a person who believes in the particular structure of the Constitution and how impeachment is supposed to unfold, that it's really not his role. Um, he presides sort of as an official figurehead is too, is too mild a word. But that this needs to be worked out politically. That's how it's set up in the Constitution. And unlike in a Supreme Court argument where I assign the opinions and I have a, a role and my word is the last word, here it's really left to Congress yeah. to figure out how this goes. And maybe he's totally fine with that and thinks that's the appropriate way that the founders wanted something like this to be resolved. So, But, but on the issue of whether or not Bolton should testify, in the initial instance, it seems, as far as I can tell, he will have to make a ruling. Yeah. He'll be weighing what happens to that ruling, and I think he's not going to want to look utterly impotent in that way. I agree with you. The only other thing I'd say is that he isn't a trial lawyer. He's an appellate lawyer. He's always been an appellate lawyer. And what that means is that some of the instincts that I think trial judges have in rulings, like they have a lot of experience doing it, and they have pretty strong gut reactions to things. We, we'll talk about some other trials that are happening later in the podcast. And, you know, some of the judges are just, you know, judges just know where they are and they know what the law is. He's not going to have those instincts. And so I think that's going to make him a little more deferential than some others who were trial judges and trial lawyers would be. I think they'd be a little bit more aggressive in being in there and trying to figure pieces out than I think Roberts will be here. Now that we're on the cusp of the articles of impeachment being conveyed, do you think it was a wise strategy on the part of Nancy Pelosi to not only withhold them, but to say that there was a strategy of withholding them for these weeks, even though you know, a couple of weeks in the interim was mostly holiday. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of people have been debating this. And McConnell, of course, declared victory and sort of said we were playing this game of chicken and he sort of claimed victory. He won. I don't really think that's right. And, and there are a couple of pieces. One is that the John Bolton piece came during this delay, John Bolton saying that he was willing to testify. And I don't know if that would have happened if there had just been this rush forward. And so... But that's fortuitous. It, that could not it, have been foreseen. Yes, I, don't think. I, I agree. I don't think Pelosi intended that, but there was some outcome that I think ended up being beneficial to their argument. The second thing is that there were some additional emails reported about the president and the OMB and the efforts of the administration that were contrary to the wishes of the Department of Defense, which was to get the money out to Ukraine. So there is some evidence that's come out that I think, again, I don't necessarily think it was premeditated that they would get that, but the delay in some ways afforded them those opportunities. The other thing I believe is that there were some questions as to how quickly the Senate would move once they got it. And because it was around the holidays, I actually did think it sort of made sense to wait until after the holidays came back because the ideal was for everybody to have some time to prep and without the sort of necessary right. time pressure of picking dates and stuff. So I totally agree with that. And I think the articles are being conveyed pretty much on the timetable that probably you and I would have done them. The difference is she made it a guessing game. She right. didn't say – right hey, we have the holidays, I got to get our ducks in a row. Absolutely, we're going to be conveying them um, soon. Don't worry, we're going to get this done quickly. Yeah, she it's said, very I urgent. want fair rules. So she caused right. everyone to speculate for a while. Yeah. Are they going to go? And then, you know, a couple of people we know, you know, penned an op-ed suggesting, you know, a, an even more peculiar strategy of submitting one article and holding one back and maybe never having to submit them and putting on the table this sort of questioning of the strategy because it was made deliberate. And are you going to get a more fair trial? And at the end of the day, I think you and I predicted it was going to still, you know, ha have to happen on Mitch McConnell's terms. And so we both predicted it would happen good. soon, right? I mean, I think there are people who are saying, well, this will be over the president's head for six months, which I think we both thought was a very, very bad idea. The one thing I'll say that it, it's worth, in my mind, just noting that 
Pelosi did something, and she did it with the intent of trying to sort of force the hand of the Republicans on witnesses. Ultimately, McConnell just got the votes, right? So you and I have talked about, you know, they needed 54 senators in order to be able to say we're going to call witnesses. McConnell got enough Republican senators to agree not to do that up front. He sort of said, okay, we're going to kick the can. We can debate that down the road, but let us start the trial without it. So that deal all happened in this period of time. But when Pelosi initially said this, I don't think she knew right. whether or not she could get those senators. So in it's some ways, yeah, that, that's shot. my view. Like yeah. she she took this shot and basically outlined this process to see, could we get folks to the place where they would do the right thing in her mind by agreeing to have witnesses right now? And that would set a different path for the trial. And it turned out they weren't able to do it because McConnell had this sort of, you know, obviously he's very good at what he does. He's very strategic. He had this counter move, but she didn't know that up front. So people sort of saying Pelosi lost. I don't actually see it as that. I sort of see it as like she played a hand. She thought there was a possible outcome that was positive. She got some positive results. She's now moving forward. And look, at the end of the day, when you send it to the Senate, McConnell's in charge. And so, you know, this is one of the challenges of the Senate is Republican. The House is Democratic. And yeah, and it'll be forgotten. It's, it's sort of similar to what happened at the beginning of the impeachment inquiry. People said, well, Nancy Pelosi should have a full vote in the House. And otherwise, this whole inquiry is illegitimate. And she didn't want to do it right away for various reasons. She ended up doing it, took away the process argument. People are not going to remember or care very much that it was like 10 or 11 days after the new year before the articles were conveyed. Yeah. And look, and you know, Nancy sometimes knows how to throw down a little bit. And in response to being asked questions about this strategy and everything else, what did she say? This president is impeached for life, regardless of any gamesmanship on the part of uh, Mitch McConnell. No matter what happens, no matter the what president happens. is impeached for life. Look, that's smart. Um, it's smart because the reality that I think we've all sort of seen, the most likely outcome is that the president is not removed from office. And so I think she's sort of telegraphing to people like, look, the impeachment matters. This is going to be on his, it's a mark in the history books forever. And so- Permanent record. Permanent record. When it's on his permanent record. When he applies to schools, yes. they'll know about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the transcript. Yeah. It's a sort of savvy way to basically say, like, you know, you can beat the case, but you can't beat the impeachment tag. Well, the funny thing is, you know, there are various dimensions in which we can talk about all these things. We usually talk about the legal, and then we also talk about the political. But there's also the psychological. Yeah, that's true, too. So on this question of delaying the articles, in the immediate aftermath of that, you know, statement that they're not coming yet, the president went kind of bonkers. Yeah. And so there's strategic value sometimes there too. I mean, all those memes that I see of, of Nancy Pelosi living rent-free in Donald Trump's head, I'm kind of tired of them because they're so many of them, <laughs> but it's kind of true. Impeached for life. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that almost has an audience of, it doesn't have an audience of one, it has more than that, but there is something about it that you're right psychologically. That's the kind of thing that, and, and look, that gets us back to the, it should be dismissed outright because there isn't even a valid basis for it. And he's looking for any way to argue that he is not impeached for life. But yeah, look, I mean, it's a historical fact now and it will not be undone. So there are other tensions between the Congress. You like that transition? Yes. Between the Congress and the executive branch having to do with Iran and the war powers resolution. And you would think this is sort of one of the most interesting things to me about this on the House side. It passed with some Democrats defecting some Republicans. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try our membership free for two weeks. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.